Welcome to Behind the Curtain, L.A. Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, We had a wonderful introduction. I think one of the more interesting things about uh, Maestro uh, Benesser is that he was the director-conductor of the San Francisco Opera, Uh, from 2015 to 2017. And this summer, among other things, he will be conducting Aida at the Terme di Caracalla, otherwise known as the the Baths of of Rome, uh, the ancient baths, and really a production of Aida that is uh, astounding by uh, the animals that they bring on during uh, some of the great marches. Maestro, welcome to to our our program this evening. Thank you very much. Thank you now, very much. I've noticed that, uh, or just reading this, as a young man, you studied the flute uh, and then graduated at the Joaquin Rodrigo Conservatory and then studied in Vienna. How is it that, uh, that you came to conducting? What, uh, what inspired you to become a conductor rather than an instrumentalist? You know, as, as you said, I began, I began as flutist when I was six. I began the study of music when I was six. I was playing, I was very happy doing chamber music, orchestral, soloist. And then, uh, you know, I, I was um, following all the concerts in my city. It's a small city, but with uh, interesting uh, cultural life, artistic life, you know. And one day I saw a, f- a documentary on TV with Leonard Bernstein. Uh, he was uh, recording this fantastic uh, historic uh, recording of Wetzel's story with Kirita Canava, with Jose Carreras, Tatiana Troyanos, maybe you remember this, this fantastic recording. And then I discovered that Conductor was a person not always with tuxedo, so serious, was somebody that was also speaking with the, with the musicians and with so a great charisma, like, like Bernstein, uh, it, was, it, was, it was shocked with that and I decided to, to start my studies for, for conducting. So you studied, uh, as well as the flute, you also studied uh, conducting at the Joaquin Rodrigo Conservatory? Yeah, I started, yeah. You know, I, before I started the, the real studies, I, I, I conducted with a friend. I organized an ensemble, a very small orchestra, playing with, with friends, with chamber music, Mozart, Haydn. That was my first, my, my debut with the, with the, as conductor, you know. Then I started in Valencia conducting, and then I moved to, to Vienna. Then I was I studied the whole the whole studies in Vienna. It was really a fantastic experience because that city, not only because of the studies but because of the opportunities to to hear the Vienna Philharmonica all we, every week. You know the the Vienna Staatsoper, that singers, that that repertoire. The, I discovered really the opera there with that with that uh, in that theater, and it was very special for me. Also in my conservatory with with. With, I work with a lot of singers. I conduct a lot of opera there. It was a so you, we heard an extensive um, uh, introduction with your experience and background, but it didn't mention some of the operas that you've conducted, and I wrote some of those down. Tosca, of course, with, uh, throughout uh, International, but Nabucco by Verdi, Aida, La Traviata, Simone Boccanegra, Rigoletto, I Puritani, and Madama Butterfly. It seems as though the Italian repertoire uh, fits well in your, uh, in your career. Yeah, it's deep in my career. I love it. You know, I think birth, uh, always work with with music from Verdi. It's always it's always a, a feast. You know, it's it's uh, it's something special. 
something special. That's because I'm living now in Italy, I'm not living in Spain, and moved to Italy, to Verona, where I'm conducting, from the last two summers, I'm conducting at that, uh, Arena, Teatro Arena di Verona. And, you know, uh, musical, uh, Verdi music never finished, you know, you have always the possibility to, 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 to do something more. I'm the, next, next um, January, I'm the, I will conduct for the first time Falstaff, you know, and that it's one of the most interesting pieces from, from Verdi. Absolutely. And I understand that this is your first performance, your first performance is conducting Manuel Panea's uh, El Gato Montez. And I have interesting how you as a musician and conductor come to that score. How do you begin the process of, of learning the work, of really having it become part of the fabric of, of your musical background that you can then uh, relate to the musicians and relate to all of us? How do you go about starting working with a piece such as uh, El Gato Montez? You know, the only, the only part, the two parts that I knew before from El Gato Montes was, of course, like everybody, the Paso Doble, that everybody knows that it's co connected with uh, the, the, the um, Corrida de Toros and this, 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 this music, this special music, and also the duet in the beginning of the second act, because I conducting many times with, this, with our artist, with, with Arturo Chacon Cruz and Ana Maria Martinez. I conducted with them many times. But I don't know, I didn't know before the, the, the piece. And I discovered a wonderful score. I discovered a, a score f um, very special and very new in the Spanish repertoire because nobody wrote this kind of music before with this uh, color, with this verismo um, style influence like Penella. And I think that it's a, a wonderful piece and I'm, I'm very happy to, 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 to conduct it here in, in, in LA for the first time. It's my debut. So many of us, uh, are, when we think about Spanish music and Spanish theater, go directly to Zarzuela. And doing a little bit of investigation, we know that uh, Manuel uh, Penea composed over 80 theater works, many of them Zarzuela. But El Gato Montes is a little bit different than a, a, a Zarzuela. Can you explain the difference between the two uh, of what El Gato Montes is in many ways more an opera opera than Zarzuela? You know, technically it's very clear. Technically we can say without dialogues, with only with uh, single uh, parts, it's opera with dialogues is Zarzuela. But that it's not so exactly always, because, you know, Penella, as you, as you said before, he wrote a lot of Zarzuelas. He was very, very famous in, in, in Spain, but also in the States, when he, in, in the States and in, in, in Latin America, when he, he, he came here to, to, with tournees with his music, he was very famous for Zarzuelas. And it's difficult to say where's the, the line in this case, I think it's very clear. The line is that we have no dialogues in this opera, but especially the character of the music and the story, that's a, that's a tragedy, you know, it's, it's very deep. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes the tradition in Zarzuela was a libretto light, very light, more light, or some, sometimes almost buffo, you know, it had nothing to do with this with this opera that we are doing today. Yeah, and also the use of, of folklore, 
of, of uh, traditional music, Spanish music. It's very clear in this opera, but it's, um, I think it's deeper in this opera. It's not only a succession of dances, like in many, many zarzuelas, very typical and folkloric dances, something uh, we say in Spanish, costumbrista, you know, I don't know in English, but very, 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 very popular, you know, very popular with the folklore. But here, it's something more. Here we will we'll hear uh, Sevillana, we will hear Garrotin, uh, also Petenera. It's very clear, but it's very good in, in, the, in the structure of the opera. And that's because I think the, the, it's, everything is deeper here, you know? Zarzuela, in, in many ways, goes back to the 17th century Spain uh, and developed over the next centuries. And, and as it came into the 19th century, it was very much influenced by Italian opera and also French opera. And you may know French opera is opera comique, where there is spoken dialogue and music. Carmen, originally written as an opera comique, so there was spoken dialogue between the scenes. So Zarzuela followed that that paradigm, that model, as it were. Uh, but it evolved to a different type. And much more, I want to say, it had a very Spanish flavor to it. So a lot of the music incorporated the local regions uh, of each composer. Does Panea bring his sort of local background? And I understand you're from Valencia, and Panea's from Valencia. But this is set in Sevilla and Andalusia. Um, does Panea somehow bring that flavor into the music? You know, the... the Popular music in the south of Spain, in Andalusia, in Andalusia, Sevilla, where it's based this 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 uh, this opera today, uh, it's very very special, very typical, and very rich with uh, melodies, especially melodies with with flamenco influence, Arabian influence, the triplets, the the, sec the, the use of, of some. Um, Intervals are very, very typical, and especially the use of the cadencia andaluza. It's a Phrygian, Phrygian cadenza. It's a model, very old-style cadenza, but it's very, very. It's connected with the with the traditional uh, music from the south of Spain. You know, and in Spain we have many different, many different folklore. Uh, dances and, and music, but I think the, the music in the south of Spain, it's very, very rich and very interesting. That's because all the composers, Spanish composers, used that, you know, from, from the 16th century, or 17th century, to, to, to the 19th century, like Penella or Falla or Granados. Granados was born in, in, in Catalonia, but he wrote also music with this, with this spirit from, from Andalusian also, yeah. So the work saw its first performance uh, in, in 1916 in Madrid and became very popular, as I understand. Uh, there's certain exaggeration as to how many performances took place. But the work saw its first performance in the US in 1921, and Manuel Pinea actually conducted those performances in New York City. And there were performances for two months. The work was actually translated into English, so it wasn't performed in, Spain, in Spanish. But it said that there were some 2,700 performances 
performances worldwide before it saw its first performance uh, in New York City in 1921. Now, the reason that we're seeing it here in Los Angeles is that, that our general director, Placido Domingo, has a, a wonderful connection with both the Zarzuela stage. His parents were Zarzuela performers, both in Spain and in Mexico, and he grew up in the Zarzuela, um, in the Zarzuela with theater with his family. But Maestro, you have a relationship with Placido Domingo and, and this particular performance and this music. You know, it's very special, very special work with him, you know, for, for he's a so special artist that it's always a privilege to work with him. That it's, it's not a privilege to uh, share with him Spanish music because I think he's one of the, I think the most important ambassador of Spanish culture over the world, you know, always. Zarzuela now is more uh, it's more, more common in, in in the programs everywhere, but he's doing he's singing Zarzuela always. He began with Zarzuela with 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 the parents in in Mexico, and he said that the, in these days we were talking about the Gato Montes when he was a child with with uh, his sister. They sang the part of children that we will we will. Uh, we will see uh, today. Today, yeah, was not the, the the first role, but was one of the one of the the first uh, performances, yeah. And he loves this music. He's doing always with passion this music, and it's a it's a privilege to 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 share with him. So uh, the critics at the New York first performance said that as, as it relates to the music, that it has, it's a luscious hip melodies, seductive qualities of color, flounces and melodies, dazzling musical spectacle. And these were just some of the uh, hardened New York critics at the time. Maestro, how do you think that Panea's music fits into the structure of the evolution of Italian and Spanish opera uh, in the late 19th century and early 20th century? Was it influenced by Bellini, uh, Donizetti, Rossini, or Puccini, or, or Verdi, as a matter of fact? You know, during, during all the 18th century, the Spanish composers, they tried to, to create a Spanish opera, a real Spanish opera. Not Zarzuela, but opera. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why? Because Zarzuela was very, very, very popular, very famous. Everybody, everybody was following the, the new pieces, you know, from the, I think, I think 1840 or 1840 uh, or 1850 till the 1950 or so, the composers wrote more than 10,000 Zarzuelas. 10,000, you know, was so popular. That's, it's one part. And, and the other part is that the, in all the, the whole 18th century, the, the Spanish music, the Spanish opera was, was uh, they, were, they played only Italian music, all Italian opera, only Rossini, Donizetti, Bellini, uh, was very, very, it was the most, the most uh, interesting music in that time. And they tried to imitate it, and it doesn't work. What happens with Penella? That Penella was a very solid composer. He, he studied with his father. Was, his father was composer also, and was the first director of the Valencia Conservatory, the second director of the Valencia Conservatory. 
He worked with him, and he worked also, he studied composition with a very important Spanish composer in that time, was Salvador Giner. You know, and he was a very solid composer at the beginning of the 20th century. And he was also open to the music, in the, the music that was written in, in Europe in that time, especially in Italy. You know, I'm, I'm sure that he, he knew very good Butterfly, Fedora, Bohème, and we can, we can, we can uh, hear also a little bit of, of this music, of this uh, atmosphere in, in, in his music. He was very modern in Spain at that moment, because as I said, just 20 years before, everybody was writing music like, like uh, Donizetti. And, 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 but if you are not Donizetti, it's difficult to do something like, like him, you know? And he, he was very, very, very clever and very interesting. Well, a lot of the composers of the period that you just mentioned are from a, a generic school called Verismo in Italian opera. And that is one where we have a tendency to, uh, to, to recognize ourselves and the characters uh, and, and the drama of their lives. Now, there was also a, um, maybe it's a, a, a misreputation of Verismo, but everyone ends up uh, dead on the stage at the end of many Verismo operas, uh, at least the lead characters. Do you think that, uh, that this particular opera of, of Panea, El Gato Montes, has some relationship to that Italian school of Verismo? I think so. I think that the disconnection is, we can find disconnection in the orchestration, the color of the orchestra, it's very verista, it's full of this special sound from Puccini, from Giordano, from uh, Mascagni also. The, the vocal lines are the, the tenor was we were talking about it last 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 uh, this week with Arturo. He said that it's it's like Bohème, but more difficult, one tone higher and difficult, you know, so difficult like 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 Bohème because it's very the all parts the solo it's all, all the solo parts are very very uh, very difficult, you know, and also the the drama is I think it's very as you said everybody. Died. We say in Spanish, we say that everybody died, but also the prompter, you know, everybody, <laughs> absolutely, also the prompter, you know, and, and here, I, I hope it's not a spoiler for, for, for you, but everybody died. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wanted to ask you, uh, I'd like to talk about the singers that you're working with, but before we get there, I'd like you to, to maybe describe the main characters and who they are and why, why, we, why we follow their lives and the story in this opera. Uh, who are the main characters and, uh, and, and what is the main story? At the end, you know, this, in, in, the, in this story, the story is Spanish, a lot of uh, Spanish folklore, a lot of Spanish colors, but at the end it's Essentially, it's very clear and very universal. It's a triangle, love triangle, between Soleá, Rafael el Macareno, it's the torero, and the bandit, that it's Juanillo, Juanillo el Gato Montes. And we can see that the tenor and baritone, they are both the same not the same person, but the same, different parts of the same thing. It's love for Solea. Juanillo was, Juanillo was uh, with, with Solea, they were, they were 
childhood friends. Yeah, good friends. And when some, somebody um, insulted her, insulted her, he killed him. That's because he's in jail. No. This is the backstory. This happens before that's the opera that's starts. Before. Then she was alone. She was gypsy, and she was looking gypsy in that time, looking for her, for her chance, the, her 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 life, her position. Then she she's together with with the torero, that it's a very famous person in that society, very good in a good position, and the drummer comes when the Gato Montes arrives again, and that it's this this uh, tension between all three, this triangle. And in the first act in particular, uh, the, the story evolves around Rafael returning from Madrid, or Sevilla, from a, from a bullfight, a little bit injured, but uh, Soleil and um, uh, Raffaello, uh, Raphael's mother are there along with all of the townspeople welcoming him home and in the, the welcome and the music between Soleil and uh, Raphael um, uh, El, Mont El Gato Montez uh, Juanillo shows up and so we then get the story of their of the, of the young love affair between uh, Soleil and El Gato Montez against the background then of the Torero uh, and the the more recent love and, and his family. And so this provides the conflict. That's the first act. In the second act, uh, it becomes a bit more expansive because we're in Sevilla and uh, Rafael is preparing for a bullfight. But there, there's a threat about that, as I understand. You know, drama, uh, in, dramatically, it's, it's, it, we will see a, a big difference between the first act and the second and third. One of the reasons is because the first act was written by Penella Selbs and Libertist together Another with him. Librettist Another Libertist was working with him. But he, this Libertist left. Was unable to finish the yeah. work with him. And then Penella Selbs finished the second and the third act. That's because in the second act we will see uh, it's one of this part, one, the central part of this, the, the, of this second act, it's very descriptive. It's when the bull Bull, uh, bullfight that's coming with Paso Doble and with, with uh, this action that it's not on the stage. It's like in Carmen, you know, we, we, in Carmen we can, we can hear the chorus and everything, right. but not directly there. It's, it's a little bit the same thing, very descriptive. And after that, the third act is like an epilogue, you know. And in, especially in New York during the performances in 1920, 1921, the critics were very, very, were against this drama in the second and third act. They critiqued very, very hard. They critiqued very hard him because, because it was not, not normal that, that two, two of, the, of the characters died in the, in the second act before the third act, you know? And then it's the, the, that's because we are here, we have a slight difference with the drama in the, in the third act, maybe. So the yeah. third act has been changed. So, so what occurs in the first act is when El Gato Montez shows up at the house of Rafael the Torero and where Soleil, Soleil is staying uh, with his family. He shows up and we're anticipating uh, 
Rafael returning to Sevilla to engage in a bullfight in several days. And he's going to face six bulls in the bullfight. He's been promoted from essentially an, an apprentice torero to a, 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 an honored first-class uh, toreador, as it were. And so this will be his first round of, of battle in the arena. But El Gato Montez comes down and says that if, the boar, if one of the bulls does not gore you, I will be present to kill you at the end of your, uh, of, of your arena, uh, of your uh, Toreador battles. So that threat hangs over Soleil, um, and essentially uh, Rafael uh, dismisses it as just idle chatter, but he's, he says essentially, I'll kill the bulls and I'll kill him as well. So in the second act, we're in Sevilla and, and we have the tension building up is what's going to happen with Rafael and what will happen in the arena and will El Gato Montez, Juanillo actually uh, show up? And Solea, or Solea, is concerned about this. Uh, his mother is concerned about it and they actually lock both of them up in the church uh, so that they can't see what happens. And what happens is that the Toreador, Torero, uh, Rafael actually is gored. And so in the original performance, in the, just to give you the idea, in the original performance is that Soleil uh, has this conflict, again, between the love that she had as a child and a young woman for the bandit El Gato Montez, but her more mature love for the Torero, uh, she faints, and in the first performance, she dies. So at the end of the second act, we have two of the main characters dying. So there's been some, as Maestro says, there was some criticism that this doesn't hold your attention for the rest of the opera. So uh, in, in 1921, they altered it somewhat. And then in this performance, uh, our Maestro Placido Domingo actually came up with an idea. And Maestro, what happens uh, yeah, in a certain as, sense? As you know, uh, Maestro Placido Domingo, he's, he's uh, uh, of course, a great artist, but he's also a... Uh, uh, theater man, you, he knows exactly, he knows very good the dramatic, uh, the, what, what happens with the drama and, and what, what works and not. And during the, for the performances in 1996 in Washington, he asked to the Spanish conductor Miguel Roa, he conducted, Miguel Roa conducted also here in 1994, the, the Gato Montes, when Maestro Domingo sang uh, Torero, not the Juanillo, like, like, uh, like tonight. And he asked Roa to, to write another duet in the, for the third act, to insert in the third act uh, a duet between uh, Juanillo and Soleá. That's because Soleá died not in the second act, but after with him, after this duet. And this duet, dramatically and musically, works very good. It's a very interesting music. It's music from, essentially, it's music from Penella that uh, Roa, Roa studied very good the, the score because he, not only he, he, he conducted, but he, was, he revised the score for the new, for the new uh, publishing. Yeah? And he, he did a very, very good work with that. And then he knew very good this music and he took parts of the opera, this kind of leitmotif, that it's not a real leitmotif, but some of the music from Soleá and Juanillo, and put in sa together in this duet in the third act. So um, there are some very famous 
moments in this opera. Um, could you describe those? I understand there's a, 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 a very significant duet between Soleil and the Torero, uh, but there's also uh, music that uh, ushers us into, um, into the arena for the, uh, the Toreador's fight. Yeah, it's this very, very, very famous Paso Doble. I think that uh, we, we, we'll, we will listen tonight with the banda because we play by, by not in the orchestra, not in the, in the pit, but the banda off stage, like a, like a real banda in arena, you know? It's, it's, it's exactly, it's, I think it's the most famous Paso Doble Torero, we say in Spanish, Pasodoble is a dance, you know, but the one, one special style from this Pasodoble is the Pasodoble for the bull, bullfight. It's named Pasodoble Torero, and this one is the most famous. It's very, so they very still famous. perform it, as I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah always. The band, all, all the bands in Spain play that. So Everybody. in the bullfights worldwide, internationally, they play this uh, Pasodoble Torero, and it's music of Panea. I think I never was in a bull bullfight. I never visited, <laughs> but I think I think the, it's played always, you know, because it's it's a it's it's the most most famous. It's a very typical, very typical one. Very inspired also. And there's the then the uh, a duet that uh, that is very famous that you've conducted a number of times. Uh, where does it happen, and what what is what is the sense that goes on in the in this duet, which gives it such electricity? You know, it's very special because we have a love duet before the first act between between both, but this this uh, this duet at the beginning of the second act it's it's very interesting because it's very very free. They are they are just it's a love duet, but they are, they are playing. It's very light, but it's very light in one of the most difficult moments for Torero, that it's just before go to to the to the ball ring to the ball ring yeah then it's this tension it's really really very very intense and very 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 clear but it's in this this kind of light it's very interesting and they conducted as you said they conducted many times with uh, Arturo Chacon Cruz and Ana Maria Martinez in concert but sometimes this duet became a trio because the surprise was that at the end of this duet arrived also Maestro Domingo and he sang together with, with them, but not tonight. Tonight it's, we will respect exactly the, the original one. So let's talk about the, uh, the individual performers. Uh, Ana Maria Martinez is long associated with Soleil, has, having performed it many, many times. Um, Arturo Chacon Cruz, in many ways, uh, uh, a um, a protege of Placido Domingo, a young Mexican tenor who has sung here in Los Angeles a number of times. And of course, our El Gato Montez is the, uh, the distinguished uh, director, Placido Domingo. Tell us a little bit about working with each of these singers. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really a dream. It's really special because all three, they are fantastic musicians, fantastic singers, but also fantastic artists. To, and it's so easy work with them and to share what are we, what are we, we doing? You know, I love work with singers, with artists that I can I can also have a discussion about about the, what are we we doing. But I th my idea could be different. But they are always open and always so 
deep prepared that it's always interesting work with them all three you know and Ana Maria Ana Maria she sang this 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 uh, role Solea in 1996 in Washington for the first time and yesterday she said I was crazy thinking I was so young for this for this for this uh, for this role, because it's so difficult. I'm sure that she sang fantastic in 1996, because she's a fantastic singer, but now with his, his uh, experience and with, with his voice, he's singing a, f a fantastic, fantastic uh, solea. Then Arturo, Arturo, it's this debut for him. He's the, he's the first time that he's singing this, this, this role, and it's, I think it's perfect for him. It's it's perfect. He it's difficult because it's, it's it's always in the passaggio, you know, always in this point that it's very difficult for all tenors. He says it's a little higher than Rodolfo and Lobo. Yeah, one one tone higher. Everything <laughs> one tone higher. It's it's not easy, but he's singing fantastic. He's a he's a mm. fantastic tenor. And what can I say about the our Gato Montes? Yeah, you know, it's debut for him. Also, it's the first time that he's singing. He's singing. Uh, uh, Juanillo, he sang always, he sang before uh, Torero, but not Bandit. And I think I think that Penella was thinking in thinking in his voice for for when he wrote it in 1916. It's really fantastic. I just think in many ways that Placido Domingo has uh, has selected this opera as a as a gift to Los Angeles. He started working with a group of group of folks in Los Angeles back in the early 1980s that served as the basis for the formation of this company. And now some 25, 30 years later, he's still here uh, carrying so much of this company and performing uh, so brilliantly. And this is a work that resonates so much with him as it relates to his family and his background. So he's sharing his, not only his artistry, but so much of himself with selecting this work and still continuing to be so much of part of it, so much so that he's there at the end. Now, several years ago, Maestro, uh, and I think you've conducted Placido Domingo and Simona Bocanegra. Yeah. Um, at the end of Simona Bocanegra, I think he dies um, rather dramatically at the, at the end of that, and performances in Los Angeles, is he, Domingo just literally fell over, and you, and you got a sense of he really died. Now, he dies in this opera, but I would hope it's a little more melodramatic than just dropping uh, Dropping like he did in Simon Bocanegra. You know, it, well, it was it was it was a it was a, a dream for me conduct, uh, conducting this Simon Bocanegra with him. No, and I remember one detail exactly about the death point. Nothing is written by Verdi, just died. Yeah, but during the, the rehearsals, during the stage rehearsals, he told me, you know, Jordi, I need to fall exactly in this court. No, no, nothing was written by Verdi. Nothing was written. But it was exactly so. It was like, like, uh, was perfect. You know, he knows, he had this, this, not only the, the incredible voice, but also the, the capacity to, to understand what's happening dramatically also. Exactly when, with which court, it's the point, yeah. and that was was a was a fantastic performance in Valencia. 
So much of opera is not only the music, but it's also the scenery, but it's, it's how the drama unfolds and the visual effect. And this particular performance is, is quite beautiful in many ways, and, and a lot uh, by, by virtue of the choreography. Um, so I'm wondering, when you're conducting, do you get an opportunity to, you know, through the concentration that you have with the music, the musicians, and what you're relating to, not only your orchestra, but with the musicians and singers on the stage, do you ever get a moment to, to enjoy the beauty of what it is you're working with? It's difficult to, 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 it's difficult to enjoy. I'm enjoying always, but I need to focus always with what, what's happened, you know? It's, it's not easy to just to feel it like a, like a, like a, like audience, you know? I must be in, in the, in contact with the, with the moment of what's happening, what's happening exactly in each, each, it's uh, seen in each second, you know, and it's difficult for me because also the choreography, it's, they are doing life, of course, you know, and it's depending on my tempo, depending on what, I, what I'm doing also with the orchestra, and it's a very delicate moment. Then it's, I enjoy it at the end when I, when I, I remember that everything was okay, if it's okay, but no, not during the performance. Well, I was going to ask in terms of, of, of the performance, and I, this is, I, I love asking conductors this. Um, there, you may not have an answer, but is there a moment in the opera, in any performance, where, where you feel that, uh, wow, this is really going beautifully tonight, or are you so much concentrating on what you're doing at the moment and what you need to be doing you know, a minute from now, 10 minutes from now, that in a sense, um, you're just part of the larger process and don't know if this is a spectacular performance or one where um, it's, you know, it, it's next time. You know, it's very, very dangerous. Very dangerous to say, wow, what a, this moment, it's fantastic, so great. And then one, one second after, it's an accident and something is wrong and that it's, it's my fault. And it's, it's very, very, very dangerous. You know, because as conductor, you must be always focused on what's happening in that moment, exactly in that moment, help, helping the orchestra, helping the chorus, helping the singers, and also focus in the, in the whole show, what, what the, the, the big uh, bow. So the, the arch of the story. The arch story. of the, everything, you know, and it, it's very dangerous just to enjoy the music. Like a, like a public, you understand what it's, it's very difficult. It's dangerous. So many of these characters are iconic. Uh, the Toreador, the gypsy, the bandit, uh, the, the beautiful woman who's a gypsy. Um, is this an opera of Panea in any way related uh, to Carmen or Georges Bizet? It's, you know, in the characters it's clear. Maybe it's, maybe it's the same, but I think Carmen, it's another, the message or the essence in Carmen, it's different. It's maybe the freedom of Carmen. And she, was, she was not in that moment. She was, she was uh, over. And it was another, it's another thing here. This tri triangle, it's, it's different. But you know, it's, in Penella, the Spanish music, it's clear and it's part of the drama. In Bizet, of course, but, you know, Spain for Bizet was something exotic. He was never in Spain. He never visited Spain. Also, Merimé never arrived to Sevilla. Arrived only in the middle of, you know, the middle of Spain, to Valencia. Never arrived to, 
to Sevilla. You know, in that time in France, uh, they were looking for exotic, exotic worlds for the new operas. You know, uh, Carmen was Spain. We are Spain is close to France, but that time was some exotic country, very very far away. You know, or or uh, Lacme from Delibe, it's in in India, or or Le Pecheur de Perle. You know, they were looking for uh, exotic worlds far away from the real, real, real world. And they think Spain was that for, for Bizet. But, you know, we say that maybe the, not the, the most beautiful, but a very, very good Spanish music was composed by French composers. Well, many beautiful, much beautiful Spanish music was composed by Spanish composers, including also, Penea. Also. Maestro, thank you so very, very much for joining us this evening. Thank you very much, and enjoy the, the performance. You've been listening to L.A. Opera's Behind the Curtain. Thanks, and see you at the opera. If you've enjoyed listening to L.A. Opera's Behind the Curtain, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to share this with your friends on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll see you at the opera.